Hello, welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name is Brent. In this episode, we're discussing SST64, the self-titled 12-inch EP by Angst. We have spoken about Angst before, way back in SST54, and we'll talk a bit more about that in a minute, but uh, always happy to talk about Angst. Super underappreciated, and uh, they never get their due, and I'm happy to try and help get them their due, I guess. Um, Big time. Yeah, for sure. Brent, do you have any spiels to start off the show? I sure do, and I bet it's the same one you have, so why don't you go first? Oh, man. Are you going to, what, you're going to scoop me again? No, I'm let, I'm saying go first. You're giving me a reverse scoop? A reverse scoop. Okay, well, since you think that you are scooping me, I'm going to, I'm going to unscoop you. Okay. Wait, wait till you hear this. You're so unscoopulous. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, Brant. Yeah. Guess where I was on Friday night. Hmm. Where were you on Friday night? At home in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a good guess. <laughs> you know where I was on Friday night? I was watching Max Sabbath. Oh, well, tell me what Max Sabbath is first. That's a Black Sabbath tribute band, uh, I guess, parody band uh, that like dresses up like. Ronald, the singers Ronald McDonald and and the drummers like the Hamburglar, etc. And they play like Black Sabbath songs, except all the lyrics are about like eating hamburgers and stuff. <laughs> were and you like, able to pick up? Were you able to pick up any good lyrics? Oh yeah, for sure. The uh, my favorite. I I don't know their stage names or their parody names, but the the guitar player's name is uh, Slayer McCheese. <laughs> and, I, and I mean the singer like the lyrics are pretty funny but the singer had a lot of Ozzy's expressions down like let's go fucking crazy was like pass the fucking gravy stuff like that <laughs> how was the show uh, it was pretty good and my friend Craig from uh, a band you know Pork Sword says oh, yeah. to me says this is making me think that I should really bring my Husker Du parody, uh, what did he call it? My Husker Du Flintstones mashup uh, out of the garage called uh, Yabba Dabba Du. <laughs> I thought he was going to call it Husker Dooby Doo or something like that. Or oh, that would be Scooby Doo. Yep. Husker yeah. Dooby Doo. Anyways, where were you Friday night, Ryan? I was at an art studio. Oh, really? Uh, a buddy of mine, Jerry, who you met at the record fair a couple of weeks ago, he is, uh, he's a painter. Oh, yeah. And you might know his painting teacher. It's a guy named Malcolm Mooney. Yeah, Can. Yeah, Malcolm was in a band called Can. Yep. And you're, you're a fan of Can, right? I am, yeah. So tell everyone what Can is real quick. Uh, well, Can was, I guess... A kraut rock band they're generally known as, or pr probably the kraut rock band. And uh, they had two singers separately. Malcolm Mooney, I think, was the first one, and then Damo Suzuki was the second one. Uh, Damo Suzuki, I think, is still perform performing. He played at the club that I book at maybe a decade ago. 
and they've got many great albums. Probably some of their most famous ones are like Future Days, Edge Balsami, Tago Mago is probably their most famous one. Yeah, so you're you're a bigger fan of Can than I am, but I know a bit about them. And so I was at this art studio with my buddy, and I had a chat with Malcolm Mooney. Oh, did you? It was really cool because he was mentioning about how they played like, I don't know, in the last couple of, about a year ago, I suppose, in London, they uh, played a show called The Can Project, and Thurston Moore played on stage with them. Oh, cool. And he was also, Steve Shelley may have played drums on that too. I can't find any info on it real quick, but Malcolm was also talking about how he's got a new record coming out. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he still uh, puts out the odd record. You might know this um, because, again, you're more of a Can fan, but he was the first singer, and then he also, I believe, played with them on an album in the 80s called Right Time. Mm, yeah, I don't know much about their 80s era, to be honest with you. Okay. But that sounds like something I have read before. There's a Can book out right now that's, like, massive. It's, like... I, I don't own it yet, but it's got, I bet it's over 500 pages. And I, I read some reviews of it, and it sounds like, you know, the definitive history of, like, any any band you could ever want. Like, this is, like, if you're a Can fan, it's exhaustive. I can't remember yeah. the name of it, but it sounds really great. Well, it's interesting because I was talking with him, and we were just, I mean, we were in an art studio, we were talking about Can, and I mean, he's got quite the history as an artist, both uh, musical and visual. And we were talking about the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. And we were kind of just talking about, like, what's the podcast about? I was explaining it's about this label, SST. Didn't really ring a bell for him, but a lot of the bands did, like the Minuteman and Black Flag and stuff, and Sonic Youth, of course. And I mentioned how we just did the uh the record by sonic youth evil a few okay. episodes ago yeah. and he said oh yeah i just played a show with steve shelley in new york i think it was in new york and i said oh yeah where was that he says it was at pettibone studios what's that so pettibone studios i i take it is a studio that like raymond pettibone has and rents out oh. so you can actually go online and listen to the Malcolm Mooney show with Steve Shelley on drums, live from Pettibone Studios, recorded May 20, 2018, and we should post a link to it. We will. Also playing with him is uh, Alexis Marcello, I think it's Devin Waldman, Waldman and Daniel, Daniel Marino. I'm going to mispronounce all those names, but <laughs> anyways, there was an SST connection there because... Um, Malcolm apparently, you know, not only plays with Steve Shelley, played with um, Thurston Moore, but recently played at the Pettibone Studios. And uh, yeah, he said, you know, Pettibone's, uh, the Pettibone space is a great place to play, is what Malcolm said. So I thought that was a very cool chat. Did he, was he aware of Raymond Pettibone as a visual artist? Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, it's um, like, you know, weird 
obscure musician, visual artist slash type people. I got the, I got the sense that they really know about each other, but especially Malcolm and Pettibone because Malcolm has got such a tight connection to New York. Wow, far out, man. You sure as hell didn't scoop me on that one. All right, so how about my next spiel? How about it? Okay, Brant. Is this the scoop? Is this the scooper? I think you... I think I'm going to re-scoop you on this one. Have you... Okay. Uh, did you get that book, Tomorrow is Too Late? I sure did, yeah. Is that one of the best punk rock books you've ever seen in your life? So, okay, so here's the thing. This is in my spiels, too. So it, it is the Toronto Hardcore book. I, that's not actually a subtitle of it. I think it's called... The subtitle is Toronto Hardcore Punk in the 1980s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing for me, Ryan. Uh, I haven't had a chance to look at it. And I guess the thing for me is I do most of my reading in bed before I go to sleep. And this is not the kind of book that I'm going to be able to read in bed. Like, it's a coffee (laughs) table. You know, it's a total coffee table book. Yes. Like, you know, oversized. I almost don't even want to open it. It's such a beautiful package. And here's the thing I was going to mention in my spiels. So last night I was out at the club that I book bands at. I think I mentioned that on the podcast before that I I book, book bands at a club. And the band I booked was a fairly well-known Canadian band called the Sadies. And I knew uh, that Dallas Good, uh, who's in the Sadies, guitar player and singer, uh, was in a bunch of Toronto hardcore bands in the 80s, but I didn't know his brother Travis was as well, who's also in the 80s. And I mentioned to them, we were chatting, and I've known them for a really long time. They've been playing at the, the club I work at for probably close to 25 years. And I said to them, I got that Toronto hardcore book in the mail the other day, and dude, like both of their eyes just lit right up and they got so excited telling me about like, uh, you know, the packaging, how much of a labor of love of love it was for everybody involved, how amazing it, you know, it is how, how exhaustive the research and the interviews were for it. And it got me really excited to, to check it out. Yeah. It's up there with one of the nicest punk rock, coffee table books I have ever ever seen and I, I mean obviously we have a bit of a soft spot uh, for it because it's Canadian but Toronto was a big scene you know Toronto, yeah. Toronto Vancouver LA New York those are you know I don't want to call them you know the top four scenes in North America but hopefully it won't be too controversial to say that those four were at least in the top 10 and maybe Toronto was in the top five um, certainly because of its proximity to the U.S. across the border. There are a lot of bands that uh, went back and forth to Toronto, cross-pollinated with each other, and then the hardcore scene is really undocumented, and so it's long overdue. But not only is the book amazing, at least the version I got comes with a poster, postcards, and a 7-inch of uh, some of the bands from back then. You definitely need to flip through it, Brant, because it's interesting. I have a fair amount of punk rock books, and no matter where you go, 
in this era, they uh, all the the people, the bands, the scene, it looks very similar. But there's one thing about this book that uh, really jumped out at me, and that is it seems like every five pages someone's wearing an SNFU or a DOA shirt. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that poster that came with it is pretty awesome. Like some of the bands on that poster, man, like they had some amazing bands pl- come there to play. But yeah, you're right. I mean, there's some really good books about the first wave of Toronto punk. Uh, but the the hardcore scene is totally undocumented. So really looking forward to digging it. It's sold out, by the way, if anybody <laughs> is looking at, looking for it. Hopefully they they do another pressing of it. Yeah, I yeah. Can't, I can't. I sure hope they do. I mean, more people have got to see this thing. Yeah, and if anybody wants to hear more, Dallas Good from the Sadies is on uh, Turned Out a Punk, the podcast, and also the people that made the book also do an episode on it, and that's really good too. Oh, on Davian Abraham's show. Yeah. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. I'll have to check yeah. that out. The Dallas Good one's really good. He. He talks about all all of these bands. Oh, that'd be awesome. And some other and some other bands he was in. Did you know he was in the band Saint Natras, Ryan? What? Yeah. No way. Way. I had no idea. I still listen to that record of theirs, eight eight eight, every now and then. Yeah, well, he was in that band. What? Yeah, man. Oh, I got to check that out again. Yep. I don't think he played on that album, but don't quote me on that. Well, that's sure a. <laughs> That's sure a get-yourself-off-the-hook statement. I don't think he yeah. did it, but don't quote me on it. <laughs> <laughs> he was also asking about our band. He wants to play a show with... He's in, for people who don't know, he's in Shadowy Men on a Shadowy Planet now. Yeah, he took over Reed Diamond's slot when he uh, tragically passed away. Yeah, he wants to play a show with our band. We played with the Sadies for a reunion show about... Well, that was... I don't know, five years ago, I think, already now. No, no, that's like two years ago. Really? Yeah, it just feels like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, enough about us. Do you have any more spiels? No, that's it. Okay, well, do you uh, feel like expressing some angst? <laughs> sure do. History lesson, part one. All right, so I'm super pumped to talk about angst again, and I know... I mentioned this record on our episode 54 when we did the Angst LP Light Life. And people should go check out that episode. We go through the history of Angst. We also have a special guest on that show, Joseph Pope. And it's one of my favorite interviews that we've been so lucky to uh, to do for the podcast. Plus, Joseph was just a stand-up guy. Totally. Very quickly, though, I mean... Angst kind of landed in San Francisco by way of Colorado. They started as a band called The Instants in the late 70s, 1978, I believe. And Brent, a couple of episodes ago, you mentioned a compilation that uh, Joseph Pope had a hand in putting out called Rocky Mountain Low. Yeah. And that is a a compilation called, uh, or about, I should say, the Colorado musical underground of the late 1970s and not only are the instants on it but uh jello biafra's like first band is on they're doing a very very early version of california uber alice i listened to this compilation 
you, when you were here, you left it for me, which is very nice. Thank you. And I listened to the uh, the compilation CD a couple of times. And my favorite song is by a band called the Dirty Dogs. And they do a song called yeah. Sor- Sorority Girl. It's really good, hey? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So people should check out Rocky Mountain Low. It's a labor of love, just like this uh, Toronto hardcore book. I mean, it's we're lucky that people have the... Uh, I guess the memory and the pictures yeah. and the tape, right? So it's very cool to go back and see that scene. Anyways, the instance, Joseph Pope was in the band with his brother, John E. Risk, and uh, a drummer, Michael Hersey, turned into Angst. They they contributed some songs to sub-pop compilations. The They're also on the Not So Quiet on the Western Front compilation. People should go and check that stuff out. They um, they played a show with a hundred flowers, which has uh, John Talley Jones, among others, from the Urinals, who also ran the record label Happy Squid, and that's where this EP comes in. This was recorded before the Light Life record, and originally came out on Happy Squid Records. I think I mentioned this well, maybe like 20 episodes ago when I went to go see the urinals and I was speaking with John Talley Jones kind of at the merch booth and how Happy Squid Records was kind of like a farm team for SST. And this is one of the bands that ended up on SST eventually, Angst. And it's a great EP. It kind of reminds me of like Light Life. That record sounds different than this 12-inch. Like it's still the same band, but it's definitely a different sound. There definitely sounds earlier kind of reminds me of like pre-milo descendants kind of like the last also a little bit like you know urinals and 100 flowers just that type of early 80s california jangly you know punk but not hardcore kind of has that vibe for me i don't know about you yeah for sure yeah i mean i do you know when this was recorded yeah, this was recorded uh, in 1983 at Radio Tokyo. Right. So, yeah, I guess it wasn't pre-hardcore. No, no, I guess not. But do, you know, it doesn't sound like a hard, they don't sound like a hardcore. No, band. but maybe that's, maybe that's what I mean, is that they, they started off, you know, like definitely in the punk scene, but they, maybe it's more accurate to say they kind of resisted hardcore. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, you mentioned you mentioned Ryan that it was recorded at uh, Radio Tokyo. Do you want to hear a little blurb I got from Joseph Pope about the recording? Yeah. Okay. So he says we recorded and mixed in a few hours at Radio Tokyo in one afternoon. The studio was maybe a, cu- a couple years old at that point, but already had a bit of a name in the LA underground, having recorded a number of Paisley Underground bands. Uh, the first band he lists these. The first Bangs 45, that's the Bangles. Uh, Savage Republic, uh, the first Leaving Trains 7-inch. Yep. And the 100 Flowers, 100 Flowers LP and 7-inch, all on Happy Squid. This is Joseph again. He'd also just released a comp called Radio Tokyo Tapes, which included tracks from the Minutemen and Worm, which I'm sure we've mentioned a few times. We did mention that compilation before and how, especially the Minutemen version, maybe it's I Felt Like a Gringo. The worm song, the worm song's modern, man. I know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the Minutemen song is "I Felt Like a Gringo," but it just sounds very different than the one that made it onto the SSTLP. Yeah, he goes on about Ethan James. Uh, 
Engineer and owner was Ethan James. Super nice guy and a great engineer. Knew what he was doing. He was interested and supportive uh, of what was happening and didn't impose himself on the music. And I think we've mentioned this before. Also a musician, he was in Blue Cheer. This is a quote from Joseph Pope. I was a big fan of the band and unfortunately didn't know he played with them until afterwards. Bummer. <laughs> the, stu the studio was an 8-track and in some ways I think it was perhaps our most well-recorded record, though that may have had to do in part with simplicity and the situation. Yeah, he mentions that in his interview in our episode 54 about how the uh, the SST records, I'm paraphrasing him, but they don't really have the the edge, I think, that he would have liked. But there's definitely lots of edge on this 12-inch. Yeah, I like. I really like the recording of this, yeah. this one. It sounds great. Yeah, it does. And um, I don't know what version you have of it, but I've got the Happy Squid version. And these early Happy Squid records that came out on that like cool silk screened brown cardboard and they just it yeah. just feels like a one-of-a-kind piece of art package too which is just awesome well it, it probably is i have a little spiel on the art but i'll i'll say from joseph but i'll save that for history lesson part two right on yeah because it's got some cool stuff going on for sure you want to hear a little bit more uh, from joseph about the recording process yeah absolutely so Joseph says, just us and Ethan and John Telly Jones was, was there for the recording sessions. John already had a rapport with Ethan from uh, 100 Flowers and Leaving Trains. Now, he wasn't in Leaving Trains, was he? John Telly Jones? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe he, maybe he produced the first seven inch or something. You know, John, when I spoke with him, he seemed like, the most genuine guy and that um the happy squid urinals 100 flowers scene it just seemed like a whole bunch of really swell folks that stuck really close together you know yeah yeah for sure well i know he wasn't like in the band for the sst era so no I'll assume that he was maybe just in the studio with them uh joseph goes on i remember the whole thing being really relaxed and fun we loaded in and set up. Ethan set up mics and uh, set up the rest of the studio, and we hit record. Uh, Neil Armstrong, Pig, Dummy Up, We Only Rot were all done in single try, in a single try, one take. Die Fighting and Another Day, we did two takes each and then decided which felt better. All the music was recorded live, vocals were recorded afterwards except Nancy, <laughs> which, was, which was done completely live and they did two takes because we could. We decided what songs to record, though John was definitely into us and loved the song Neil Armstrong. He's a big fan of sp uh, space exploration and outer space and also has a great sense of humor and that one got him may well be the reason he released our record after hearing us at one gig, which I believe he mentioned in the interview that he saw them once and, and said, let's put out a record. Yep. Kind of what happened with, with Joe too. Like Joe, mm -hmm. Joe Carducci saw him play and said, we should put out your record. And they ended up putting out four records on SST in addition to this, this uh, re-release of this 12 inch. Yeah. We should also mention too, I mean, we kind of 
beat it to death in the uh, uh, the Light Life episode, but Angst were a big influence on Frank Black in particular from the Pixies. I see more of that type of influence coming in later Angst, like not so much out of this record, more in like the Light Life album. And then from then on, I can see more of a connection to the Pixies sound. This one, like I mentioned before, it really reminds me of that, you know, again, like kind of like The Last or Descendants without, with, uh, you know, before Milo and very much like kind of the vibe of 100 Flowers in the Urinals, like really spastic, undistorted guitar and uh, jangly, but good lyrics and really catchy. There's definitely some Gang of Four in there. Oh, yeah. And I would say some Talking Heads, too. For me yeah maybe i never thought of that yeah it's de- it's definitely arty you know it's way artier than a lot of the stuff that was coming out of that scene at that time oh yeah well that's very true to form for happy squid records actually i mean not just the urinals leaving trains hundred flowers but i mentioned um this band before as well but god and the state like yep like you know that is a killer, killer record, but very arty. And uh, Rad Waste, The Rub. We've mentioned a number of these bands, and, and people really. And you know what? You can still order a fair amount of stuff direct from Happy Squid, and they come right from John Telly Jones. So people should check that oh, out. Cool. Do you want to uh, move on to History Lesson Part Two? Let's do it. History Lesson Part Two. How do you want to do this? Do you want to start with the artwork or the songs? Let's do the artwork. Okay. Why don't I give you a spiel that Joseph gave me? And Let's do it. As always, I did everything as far as cover design and layout, and even did the labels in this case. Now, I don't have the Happy Squid version, so I don't know what the labels look like, Ryan. You might have to lay it on me. The labels are black with with just white writing on them. They're very, very basic. Okay, but... The, okay. Well, this might be what he means. Lots of Letraset rub-on letters used. Remember them? That's what he wrote. And I do remember those. Do you remember them? Oh, of course I do. And now that I look yeah. at now that I look at it, I mean the lines are straight, but they're a little wavy, and that's because, that's <laughs> because he rubbed them on, and that's what they used to copy it. Now, do you remember the process? Because I don't, but I remember using them. Would you like rub them on with a pencil or something? Uh, well, yeah, that's one way you could do it for sure. And I remember they would, um, when you would rub them on, there'd be like little divots where all of the, the, the pencil lead was when you rubbed it onto the paper. Right. I remember using them when I would, you know, make little photocopy zines yeah. for sure. And by the way, the wax has got some, uh, some messages. we got to make sure we hit those at the end. Okay. Original cover painted by Bruce. I want to say Liker, L-I-C-H-E-R. Uh, he was a friend of John's, Johnny Risk, Joseph's brother. And a member of Savage Savage Republic and owner of IPR Records, Independent Project Records. Do you know Savage Republic? I don't, no. So I want to know more about Independent Project Records and Savage Republic. I think Savage Republic was like really arty. I think they played a lot of, don't quote me on this, but I, I for me, I associate them with that Desolation Sound scene that we talked about a few times yep like the the like the desert 
generator parties and stuff like that. Yep. I could be wrong about that. So he owned this label. Here's what here's what little I know about them. Um, the label, Independent Project Records, had Savage Republic, Human Hands, I think we've talked about a few times. Uh, one of my ba- favorite bands, Camper Van Beethoven, released an album on the label. Uh, one of their earlier ones, I think it's their second one, Telephone Free Landslide Victory. Might, th- might be their first one, actually. Uh, another band I like, Red Temple Spirits, um, released some stuff on uh, on that label. It's Bruce's label. And I think he's quite well known for independent project press which is like i i'm pretty sure pressed probably most of that 100 flowers stuff and i think probably his record label looks a lot like this stuff as well ah like almost like it looks custom silk screened i don't think that's what it is though but no i really don't i really don't know to be honest with you he worked with rem stereo lab for against that's just some of the bigger bands i found that he's worked with but a zillion other bands too so go back to what you were saying about the photo. What what mm-hmm. was or or the or the painting? So give me the credit again because I've got on my copy it says front photo by Paul Fusco or Fusco and then the insert mm-hmm. is credited to Roy. Okay. Again, this is from Joseph Pope. Original cover painted by Bruce Liker. Huh. Okay, so on the back of my jacket it says Spe- special thanks to Bruce Liker. So maybe Bruce painted a, ver- a, photo. a version of the photo. Yeah. That could be like, it looks like a photo of a kid at like, in a concentration, like a concentration camp. camp. Yeah. That's what I thought it was. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That might be what he means. Uh, Joseph goes on. This is again about Bruce. He had an old letter press and produced really wonderful, distinct and unique covers for his label and band. Our record was the first non-IPR cover he ever printed. I had a very specific look in mind, being a fan of the process, so I designed it as such. When Bruce saw it, all he said was, I wouldn't have done it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I seem to remember that shortly thereafter, he employed a similar design technique on some IPR releases. For the SST release, knowing it would be offset and a totally different effect, I changed the color and design to be more suited to the process and to make it an obviously different pressing. For what it's worth, Bruce, without asking, printed a bunch of Happy Squid mutant multi-color versions, maybe 50 or so. Whoa. He was he was getting ready to print his first full four-color cover, and this is the band, Community with a K, Community FK. Don't know much about them, but I know they're on uh, independent project records. I think they're like a synth type band. And he decided to experiment on us. They're actually, this is, he's talking about the, the mutant versions. They're actually super cool and not one of them is the same. I've never, ever, ever seen anyone like that. That'd be kind of cool to, yeah. ru- to stumble across one of those. I bet you for someone who knows what they are, they probably would charge a bundle. Yeah. And here's a fun fact, Ryan, too. The 12-inch can be seen in a 1985 Hollywood movie called Echo Park, starring Susan Day of the Partridge family and Tom Holsey, H-U-L-C-E, who had just played Mozart in Amadeus. Echo Park flopped. (laughs) (laughs) I seem to remember there was good reason for that. 
I recall that in the scene in which you can see the record, a guy is listening to his roommate's screw and leans against the wall in a manner mimicking the cover. It came about because I think some scenes were shot at the Starkman building in downtown L.A. where Bruce had IPR and his letterpress set up. Apparently the director saw our cover and integrated it into the movie. Miraculously, I found a guy online who describes the film and has a frame from the film showing the cover. The guy mentions us and actually knows who we are. Joseph, <laughs> Joseph sounds, uh, <laughs> you know, flabbergasted that someone actually knows who Onks are. And uh, so we'll post a, we'll post that picture of the of a screen cap from the movie. And uh, he Joseph sent me a link also of this this blog where the guy uh, it's like a Tumblr blog. Al Dorney is the guy's name. Hot video is the is the Tumblr Tumblr blog, and uh, he mentions a 12, 12 inch copy of underrated SST bo- band Angst, hmm. which he's definitely right about them being underrated. So yeah, I thought that was a cool little fun fact. It is, and it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we now you have a reason to watch Echo Park. No, I don't. Maybe we sh- should have came up in our in our uh, in our punk movie spiel. Maybe. Oh, maybe. I don't think that qualifies. Hey, if cyberpunks in RoboCop. Oh, come uh, on. Qualify. Come on. There was like a whole <laughs> cast of cyberpunks. Anyways, well, let, do you want to talk about uh, the rest of the artwork? We kind of talked about the front cover. Yeah. Lay, lay a spiel on me about it. Well, inside, I mentioned this before, there is, uh, at least in my version, there's a poster and a postcard. The poster wow. poster is kind of like a, um, I guess it's like a, I guess it would be like an eight and a half by 14 or something like that. I don't know what it is. You fold it open and it's credited, as I said, photo is credited to Roy, R-O-Y-E. It's a uh, photo of a nude woman, uh, basically crucified, I guess, but with a gas mask on. Oh, I've seen that before somewhere. Yeah. And then I think, you know, oh, you know where I saw that, Ryan? I looked up, I looked up the SST release and this came out on cassette on SST. And I'm pretty sure you can fold out the J card and that, that photo is on the J card. Yep. You are correct, sir. And on the, uh, on the backside of the poster is all of the lyrics, including for Nancy. And we'll get to that. Um, and then the postcard is just a single-sided postcard, but it's like on kind of on photo paper. So it's pretty nice. Um, That's cool. Yeah. The back cover is, I think it's a photo of the earth, kind of silk screened. Mm-hmm. And it, do you know who uh, who gets the credit for the photo? I bet it's Neil Armstrong. Nope. NASA. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, Neil Armstrong <laughs> sings background vocals on Neil Armstrong, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, And then that's about it. I mean, it mentions how uh, we mentioned the guys, Michael Hersey, Joseph Pope, Johnny Risk. And uh, it was recorded February 18th, 83, Radio Tokyo, produced by John Talley Jones. And Angst uh, gets the special thanks to Bruce Liker, engineered by Ethan James. All songs are credited to Mobile Modular Music, 1983, Mm -hmm. Happy Squid Records, Front Photo, Paul Fusco or Fusco, and as I said, back photo NASA. Right. Do you want to talk about the tracks? Yeah, man. Tell me what you think of Neil Armstrong. Uh, well, I'll tell you. I think 
the album as a whole is very well recorded, as I think we both have already agreed. Uh, the drum sound is great. Uh, I think it sounds better than Light Life myself. Yeah, there's something the to that. The recording. The track, Neil Armstrong... Well, first I'll tell you what Joseph Pope told me about it. Oh, cool. Neil Armstrong actually started out as white linoleum about BART, Bay Area Rapid Transit. At some point, John changed it to Neil, and I threw in John Glenn, which he immediately incorporated. Yeah, John Glenn comes up in, like, I think the second verse, right? I think so, yeah. I think the first one or maybe two verses is all about Neil Armstrong, and then John Glenn comes in. Yeah, and background, vo Just, background vocals <laughs> by Neil Armstrong. Yeah. Well, he sent me a thing about that, too. The Neil spoken part we flew in from a Time Life 6 record box set our family had since it came out. I brought it along as I thought it'd be cool to have that in the song if we could make it work. The timing of it was perfect. I think we only tried one or two times. I still have the box set. <laughs> <laughs> it included a really nice book, and I used to spend hours with it as a kid. I was kind of obsessed with space travel when I was younger, the moon landing in particular. I watched the build-up on TV over several days, and then the actual landing and walk live. Still an amazing memory. I think that's probably true for most people of Joseph Pope's generation. Yeah, probably even more so for people from the U.S., I would assume. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Is a pretty, you know, pretty patriotic moment. Yeah. I just wrote for myself, I wrote a bit of a grower, this song. At first it was kind of hokey for me. And then after a few listens, it really grew on me. And I, I just really like the stop start kind of stuff yep. going on in it. Yeah, no, it, it, uh, um, it's only like 64 seconds long too. Don't forget. Is this song, had this song come out on something previous to this is this on a comp or something uh i thought it, i thought it was but i could be wrong i don't think so on the the sub pop uh, compilation the song is called give all power to the u.s and then right. the song on not so quiet on the western front is called worker bee right i remember you mentioning that yeah yeah i like it i, I wish um i mean I don't know about you. I mean, this 12 inch, it's over pretty quick. I flipped it over and listened, listened to it like a number of times this week. And yeah. when you it's 12 minutes, 12 minutes total. Yeah. Well, <laughs> total running time. So Neil Armstrong as a first track is great. I like it. It's even better when you flip it over after side two is done, in my opinion. Yeah. All right, the next song is Die Fighting, which is the one that, for me, really sticks out as, again, kind of sounding like that uh, that early Descendants, early The Last type so sound for me. Uh, also really good. And I should say, Neil Armstrong and Die Fighting. Remember when we were discussing Light Life, we were trying to figure out who was singing? Right. On uh, Neil Armstrong, it's attributed to Risk. On Die Fighting, it's attributed to Pope. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I like this song. Uh, the I really like the guitar tones, really fuzzy. And they're, I'm pretty sure they're doubled up. Like there's a hard right and a hard left guitar track. Yeah, so there must have been some overdubbing, I guess. That's what I hear, but 
I could be wrong. It sounds like they bashed this out pretty quickly. So, Did Joseph say anything about this song? No. Oh. Just that it, I'm pretty sure this is one of the ones I already mentioned he listed as a first taker, maybe? Yeah. And then there's Pig. Sweep. <laughs> <laughs> this one sounds like Talking Heads to me. That's what I wrote. Yeah. Uh, and I like this song. It's funky. It kind of reminded yeah. me of the big boys, actually. That's true. Yeah, I never thought of that, but that's true. Yeah, I didn't pick up Talking Heads. It was more big boys for me. But it's... Lyrically, the, lyrically, the big boys would do this. Mm-hmm. That's exactly yeah. why. Like, not only is it funky, but the lyrics, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's about cops. Want to flip her over? Yeah. Then we go to Dummy Up, which is kind of a slow jam, but it works. Yeah, I like it. I didn't really have much to... To, think, to say about it. I mean, these songs are so short, but yeah, it's a good song. Yep. It's another one that uh, Pope sings. Funny enough, the only song that Hersey gets any credit for is Nancy, which we'll get to in a moment. The rest are all Pope risk. Okay. And then um, We Only Rot. Yeah, I really liked the guitar and bass interplay on that song. Yeah. This one, if I mean, I know earlier I said this record probably you see the, the least amount of overt kind of, well, maybe not Pixies influence, but stuff that the Pixies maybe wrote that references Onks rec Onkst records. Um, there are a lot of Pixies songs, though, that have the same type of rhythm and beat. Yeah. And then there's Another Day. I believe Ryan that this was the track that Jeff Shrek listed in his blog post about Angst as his favorite off the record. I seem to recall he didn't really like this EP a whole lot, but this was his standout pick. Okay. Which people can still read on mojackpod.com. Friend of the friend of the pod Joe, uh, Jeff Shrek did a a uh, an article about all the Angst albums and uh, people should check it out if they haven't. Yeah, he doesn't mention it in that way, but he does mention it. He just mentions it. He just notes it as his song off of that record. So that's legit. That's a legit okay. reference. Yeah, I really like this song, actually. It's, um, again, it works really well. If you want to, if you want to consider the next song like an actual song, Nancy, um, it's pretty good. First six tunes, like as a, a full band type of yeah. i mean what is what would that be then 10 minutes for the first six songs yeah I, I consider nancy a song i'm not saying it's not a song but it's different right different yeah. than the rest it's like an end of an album song exactly exactly yeah. now i want to ask you a question ryan that you asked me last time we listened to uh an angst album okay. on light life okay this song it didn't musically maybe make me think of a band that you and I love dearly, as I think I think that's the way you put it. <laughs> but it did make me think of a band for a very specific reason that you and I really like from Canada. Hmm. Can you think of why it made me think of that band? The... Or what song it made me think of? Um, Another Day? It made me think of the No Means No song. Wait, 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 wait. I'm just confirming that it's the song Another Day that you're talking about. No, I'm talking about Nancy. Oh, Nancy. Okay. Okay. You're talking about Nancy. 
Yeah. It reminds you of the No Means No song. Hmm. No fucking? No. Good good guess. Good guess. Okay. You're going to be mad when I tell you, though. Okay. Brother Rat. What? Well, it's, all, it's just drums and vocals. Yeah, okay. Okay. I guess so. Anyways, do you know the, do you know the story behind this song or what? Well, it's, it's uh, what do you mean, from Joseph Pope? Do you have a story from Joseph Pope or do you want to hear what I know about it? Tell me what you know about it. Okay, so apparently this is about Nancy Reagan, formerly known as Nancy Davis, who, like Ronald Reagan, was like an, an actor, an actress, and apparently she was known for... Like, it, you know, the first lyric in the song is, does Nancy perform acts of oral copulation? Apparently, yeah. she was known for this. And um, there's actually a uh, a book written by some sort of celeb biographer called Kitty Kelly. And she mentions this specifically about Nancy Davis, Nancy Reagan, about how she was well known for this. And apparently, as a result, she was like really popular on the old... <laughs> She was really popular on the old GM lot way back in the day. No shit. Yeah. There's a there's a quote from uh, the Kitty Kelly book talking about how Nancy Davis was really popular on the old GM set and she got she got lots of roles I guess because of this. I believe that. So that's what I know about this song. What do you know about it? Uh well I don't know anything about the song, but the album ends with a guy saying, "Sorry, I'm not interested in your sexual habits." And uh, that came from, apparently, Joseph Pope's amp kept picking up a truck driver's CB radio, and they got some on tape, and he says, some was too good not to use. And that's what that is. <laughs> no way. That's some CB talk. Good I buddy. Thought, I thought it might actually have been like a clip from a, a Nancy or Ronald Reagan film. Oh, that's a good guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, it works. Don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. <laughs> you are yeah does that, does that ring a bell at all yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm sure i say that every episode <laughs> well you know how often you get quoted <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do the ballot result no i want to hear some dead wax oh yes good call okay so on the a side this one is really hard to read because you know how there's usually a whole bunch of runout grooves, like, you know, a centimeter or half an inch, I should say. Um, there's like only one on this and the writing is right on it. But here, here I go on side a, it says any fool can make a rule. And then it has uh, you know, dot, 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 those ellipses. Yep. Then on side B, it says it f keeps going dot, dot, dot ellipses. It says, and every fool will mind it. Hmm. Any fool can make a rule, and every fool will mind it. Definitely looks like, you know how on a 12-inch, like, the grooves are super wide and deep, and it's got this, like, it looks like a private press type of label on it. It's just a cool package. It makes me interested to find one of those mashup ones. I'd also like to see one of the SST ones, too, to see if it sounds any different. Yeah, I wondered how, if the SST version has the dead wax. Yeah, that's a good question. 
or maybe something even different. Well, good save there, man. We were uh, we were almost going to just cruise right into ballot result. Dodged a bullet there. Oh, man. Did we ever. Shall we? Yeah, lay a ballot result on me. Ballot result. All right. I'm going with uh, Another Day. I can get behind that. Yeah, that's my favorite song for sure. I almost wanted to do Neil Armstrong just because it's uh, it's probably next to the song Nancy, the song that is best known on this record, but truly my favorite song is Another Day, and that's the way to go. Yeah, man. What's next week? Oh, man. Brant? Yeah. It's the Mighty Bad Brains. Oh, boy. I've been waiting for this one for a long time. 65 episodes I've been waiting for this, right? Oh, my God. It's SST 65, Bad Brains. I against I. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, all at Mojack Pod. We post all kinds of info and tons of pictures of the bands and albums we discuss on the show. Our blog is mojackpod.com. Please check it out for some exclusive content. If you like what we do and want to support the podcast, the best way to do that is to tell your friends about the show. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes is also appreciated. We love hearing your opinions, corrections, and feedback, so feel free to post on our social media sites and send us an email to mojackpod at gmail.com. Thanks again for all the support, and we hope to see you next week.